Hi, thank you for joining me today. I am Bishop Talbert, and you are listening to Moment of Truth. Recently, I had a wonderful opportunity to interview four elected officials. The first one I interviewed was Mr. Ed Henry. He is part of the House of Representatives, and he was speaking on behalf of his good friend, Judge Roy Moore, prior to the runoff election in Alabama for Senate. I just asked him a few questions about Judge Moore as to explain why he would be a good candidate. Despite being considered by many a far-right politician on his views and his opinions. I also spoke with Mayor Deborah Davison from Manville, Texas, Mayor Joe Maple from Bailey's Prairie, Texas, and also Mayor Jason Perez from Angleton, Texas. Now I had an opportunity to ask them several questions including were they aware of the severity of Hurricane Harvey? What exactly did FEMA do to help with the relief efforts from Hurricane Harvey? And how has the cleanup been since the hurricane happened? But as always, before we get to those interviews, I'd like to start out the show by giving my Heavenly Father all of the praise and all of the glory. And I'd like to give a message on his word. I thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And if God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound every good work. That verse states that God can give you sufficiency in everything that you need. All you need to do is depend on him, listen to his word, practice his message that he has left here in the Bible, and you live an honorable life by obeying him and doing as he commands. You will be sufficient in everything that you need. And you will not need to depend on anyone else for anything in this world. But see, a lot of people, a lot of people get uneasy about relying on God because they know deep down inside that they do not exercise his commandments as they should. But it can change today. It has to start with today. Matthew 6, 34 states, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It needs to start today. Don't worry about what you're going to do tomorrow. Don't try to figure out how you're going to manage tomorrow. Worry about today. How are you going to be sufficient today? How are you going to make the best of today 
And this opportunity that you have right now, you need to take every moment and be grateful. You need to sit down and talk with the Lord. And he will guide you. He will place a destination in your heart. But you need to be still to listen. You need to cut out all them negative evil forces around you. All the people that you grew up with and some relatives, they do not mean you any good. They're getting in the way of the message from the Lord. It's no easier way to put it. They are hindering you from your growth, from reaching your full potential. Sometimes you have to take a step back and look at yourself and look at your situation. Because when you're still, the Lord will talk to you. Simple. He will tell you. He will tell you your destination. He will place it in your heart. It'll be like magic. You'll be laying there one night. You'll wake up the next morning with a total new mind state. You'll be, you'll, you'll crave new, new taste. You'll, you'll crave new, new destinations. But things have to change. You cannot get from A, point A where God has you, to point Z, your destination, by bringing all the baggage. You cannot. You have to lighten your load. God talks to each and one of us individually. So if he tells you that you have to do something, you cannot sit and worry about what everybody else is going to think. They have their own destination from God. God has placed in them what they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to hinder you from doing what you're supposed to do. If they don't want to listen, that is that is their choice. God gave us something called agency which we have the freedom to make a choice whether you decide to listen to God or you decide to obey Satan. You have agency. You have a choice that you have to make. Are you going to listen to the voice that God has put inside of you telling you your destination, telling you how to be happy? You're not going to be happy if you do not listen. You're going to be miserable. But when you take that step, it's going to be the best thing you've ever done, the best move that you have ever made in your entire life. But I'm not going to sit and tell you that it's going to be easy every step of the way. Sometimes we can get going and get rolling, but then Satan throws an obstacle at us. That's when we got to hunker down and just keep on pushing forward. As long as we are still and quiet enough, we can hear God telling us. He will place it in your heart what he wants you to do. He wants everybody to work at what he has planned. 3 Thessalonians chapter 10 states, "For For even when we were with you, this we command you. That any would not work, neither should they eat. Simple as that. You do not work, you do not eat. You do not listen to God, 
you will be miserable. You do not take the necessary steps that Jesus Christ has placed in your heart. You will be spiritually hungry forever. You will always feel like there's a void somewhere inside of you. You have to take advantage of the opportunities today. That comes back down to your agency. What do you choose? For me personally, there is no choice. There's only one way. You listen to God. Satan throws mixed messages at you all the time. There is no clear message from Satan. That is how you know. God will give you a clear message and a clear destination that you're supposed to be, that you will go, you will arrive. Satan is a is a spirit of chaos. He will have you trying to please people that mean you no good, trying to get things that you do not need. Jesus Christ says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. You can do nothing. You can do nothing of good in this world without Jesus Christ as the head of your life. Simple as that. You need Christ in your life. You need the Holy Spirit in your life if you want to get, reach your destination. If you want to get anything out of life, God has to guide you. You cannot depend on other people to make you happy. Because man is not perfect. Man has a natural sin nature. The only perfect person to have walked this earth is Jesus Christ. He is telling you the way in the Bible, the steps that you must take. He has left commandments. I don't understand why you people make your life so hard. I demand each and every one of you today to take the power back into your own hands. And hand it over to Jesus Christ. Take it back from Satan. Satan will only do what you let him do. If you let him control your mind and your thoughts, he's going to place these evil, terrible visions in your mind telling you what you need to do, which is the opposite of what the Bible tells us. But if you use your agency to listen and to follow God and follow his commandments to the best of your ability. No, no one is perfect. You make mistakes. But Jesus Christ died for your sins. So what you have to do is you need to follow his commandments as best as possible. Matthew 12:30 He that is not with me is against me. If you are not with God and Jesus Christ, you are against God and Jesus Christ. You have to make the decision. I I, I think 
Roy Moore is uh, very principally grounded in that he, he understands you can't make too many absolute promises other than he'll put God first in his life. And he's proven that time and time again throughout his career is that he puts, he puts God first in his life, which, which ultimately means he's putting all of us first in his life because we're all children of God. And, and, and as opposed to, the entities out there, the the establishment type candidates, that they put whoever is paying the most into their campaign first, and and so I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that that's where Roy will be on that level. But he's also a veteran. He's a Vietnam veteran. Fought fought for our country. He you know he gave a pledge to uphold the Constitution of the United States from enemies both foreign and domestic and there was no expiration on that and so I know that the veterans and veterans administration he has a heart for returning soldiers that they be welcomed back and and appreciated and celebrated uh, unlike you know he really was when returning from Vietnam that, that was not a good time in our country and and I know that he has a, a heart for the veterans um, he's a he's a strict constitutionalist. He knows what you know. He 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 knows the Constitution of the United States backwards and forwards, which I would argue a lot of our elected officials do not. And as such, he understands the role of the federal government and the state governments, and and what we should and should not be doing. And and I believe he will. Um, huge flashlight and he's going to be shining that light into the darkness that surrounds Washington DC and there are some big nasty ugly cockroaches running around Washington DC that will be scurrying away from that light because they don't want to be seen they don't want to be recognized and and I think we need that we need more transparency we need more um, uh, awareness of what's going on and Roy Moore is going to give that and that's why they don't want us that's why they don't want Roy Moore is because the Washington insiders know that he will expose them for who they are he's not going to go up there and play their game and they are spending at last count I heard they're going to spend have spent by tomorrow nine million dollars trying to make the people of Alabama believe that Roy Moore is a bad person and that Luther Strange is somehow a decent person. And it is my prayer that your listeners and the people around this state will recognize that Roy Moore is the only true candidate in this, in this race and that Luther Strange is nothing but a puppet for the establishment, for the big money. You know, they call him Big, big Luther. I call him big money because that's the only people he cares about are people with big money okay um we were aware of disparity um when you live in this area you know we kind of at this point 2017 we've got this down we we have you know we are in contact with the national weather bureau out of uh galveston and they very much so kept us abreast of 
what the severity was going to be, how it climbed, at what, you know, at what time frames it did into another category. So, and we were we were uh, informed by calls, by phone calls that were listen-only phone calls. But my emergency operations center people um, and coordinators, uh, of course, included, and they we all sat around a conference room table and listened to what they had to tell us. So, in that. In that way, we were we were adequately informed. Um, that would go in tandem with the fact that you know if we had needed to issue um, a you know citywide evacuation, we would have done so. What happens with that is that the um, you know, the governor right away issued a state of emergency. So that kind of took some of those reins out of our hands, which was good. Um, it had already been declared, and so we could go into emergency operation mode, which meant <clears throat> it's very, very uh, calculated the way that you enter all of the information that occurs during the storm so that you can be uh, reimbursed by FEMA. And it is, <clears throat> it's almost down to a science at this point. Um, and so we took those courses um, as most cities do and the county offers them out of their emergency management departments. And, you know, we, we actually, have ourselves a you know a fabricated storm, and then we take the action as the as the um, committee. We take what actions that you would you know you would put into play if there were a real storm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we had we had already taken the course, and we were ready with our forms that we needed to issue and. And that, you know, that starts with every single department. It's with your police department. It's with your IT department. It's with your, you know, and God bless the finance department because they're the ones that make sure that everybody logs in and logs out for lunch and logs back in and how many, you know, a separate form is how many we fed for lunch and what the cost of those things were. So it's very calculated, and I'm proud of my guys that uh, we we had the figures, we had the we had the answers when the storm was over. So sure, I'm very excited, very excited about this event. Um, we have a. Um, I went to an event last weekend that was offered in one of the neighboring towns. And I asked our Congressman Pete Olson and State Representative Ed Thompson, I um, implored those two, uh, those two offices to see if we could host a disaster recovery and assistance workshop here in Manville. Um, I think that 
in the beginning, in the beginning of our conversation, we thought maybe it would be a four-hour event, and after they experienced the event in Pearland, which is our neighboring city, we uh, we have trimmed it down to two hours. But at this event, you have federal agencies, state agencies, and private entities that contribute to the well-being and recovery of the citizens. And I'll tell you, uh, I'll give you an example. I'm not sure all of these people will be able to attend tomorrow in our city, but as I had said to several people, the big domino is FEMA and they will be there. And the very idea that FEMA is going to be there and be able to touch my individual citizens and help them to fill out forms particularly when we had this 11-day deadline. I feel like they're probably going to extend that deadline at some point, but for now that's what it is. So I want them to be able to have some assistance, some personal assistance to get their forms filled out. So I'm going to sort of name off some of the ones uh, that I can come up with, and I could probably come up with quite a few more than might be attending. But at any rate, it will be the Office of the Attorney General. Um, in the insurance vein, it would be Texas Department of Insurance and Texas Windstorm Insurance, um, Texas Workforce for people who have missed pay because of the storm, um, Lone Star Legal uh, to help them through some of the <clears throat> crafty pa paperwork that turns up in some of these instances. Um, there's an entity, a private entity called Pyramid Prescription. Through a storm like this, a lot of the uh, the deliveries to the local pharmacies, you know, don't get through. So people who are on, say, I do have one real live incidence of this, that a person who's on a particular blood pressure medicine, that medicine became unavailable. They switched that medicine um, for something else, um, which sounded like a, you know, kind of a viable uh, solution and unfortunately his blood pressure spike went up and so you, what you what you try to do is these people try to assist them in getting their prescriptions and they also assist them in even something as what seems as mundane as restocking their you know their band-aids their ointments their creams that they you know that would be even over the counter things so um Memorial Hermann Hospital, a local hospital entity uh, that, well, it's not just local. I mean, they're in our wonderful uh, Houston Medical Center, and then they have satellite hospital and hospitals out this way. Um, uh, a group called Counseling Connections, and this is this is something people don't focus on. It's, it's how depressed certain people become after such a such an event. You know, with the devastation and the the horror that surrounds them, and you just kind of can't climb out of your um, out of the bubble that's been created for you that is really so grim. Um, Counseling Connections is an entity that offers three um, free sessions, three free counseling sessions. And you know, the other side of this coin is there. We have people. It sounds almost. 
silly, but it's not. I mean, we have people who are suffering from, um, you know, survivor guilt. I mean, they, you know, those of us who, I, and I'm, I'm not suffering from this, but, I mean, I didn't suffer anything personally at my home, and so I, I have to, when I talk to people, I have to continuously say, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I you know, I'm... I'm so very sorry, but I know that I cannot empathize, you know, on on some of these levels. Okay, then there's Samaritan Plus. That's a Billy Graham organization that was formed to break down and build up disaster-ridden homes. And so they come in and they kind of, you know, they find out where the where the worst hit areas were, and then they, you know, from my understanding, they assemble teams and they try to, you know, they try to help people out. And like I said, FEMA, Small Business Association, um, National Flood Insurance, the Department of Labor, um, and then our, as I mentioned before, our Congressman Olson and Ed Thompson would be representing uh, their top assistants or deputy chiefs, and then, you know, possibly they will, you know, run by and see what's going on and be able to touch people too. So I'm pretty excited about that. Well, as I said, you know, I don't know, I don't know exactly how many people will um, participate, how many people will know to participate, but we, we have to offer it. We have to get out there and try to have these people touch. So that's what we're doing. I couldn't be prouder of, of my group. I couldn't be prouder of the people in my emergency operations center. We were flooded in our city hall, and I can tell you that the people in the operations center, uh, they picked up electrical cords, and we stood there and held them and waited for a dump truck to come pick us up, because that's all, that's that's all we had. We have no high water vehicles within the city, and our county commissioner, Commissioner Cade, first, and off we went to the emergency medical center uh, across the highway. So I couldn't be prouder of my group. Within probably an hour and a half, all of those computers and telephones to for people to reach us and ask us questions were all set up again. So I believe that through our website and through our, I call them robocalls, you know, the calls that go out to all the citizens that sign up to hear from the city when you have an emergency, we tried to touch them as often as we could with information and uh, so they were informed. They. Um, as I said, they knew that there was not a mandatory evacuation for our area of the county. And I think that the most important thing that has come out of this is that we are Texas strong. We are all Texas strong. And I, I laugh and say, you know, Mamble is Mamble magnificent. So uh, I can't say enough good things about our citizens, and I know that this is going to be a many, many month uh, process of recovery, and I know that we are going to all stick together and we're going to help each other. We'll come out of it. Well, I think that 
I mentioned that we don't have high water uh, vehicles, and I think that the city itself, um, if there could be any sort, the city can't really, um, the city can't really receive donations. So it's, you know, it's kind of impossible for us to request anything like that, but we're doing it through the government. Um, I do know that our volunteer fire department can receive donations, and that would be the Manville Volunteer Fire Department, and they can always use um, another another vehicle, another pumper. You know, where um, we kind of operate on a very slim budget there. Uh, and other than that, I think just. Um, We've got a couple of churches, uh, one in particular that really stepped up to house our shelter, and that is called the Church on uh, Masters Road. And when I tell you, my my folks couldn't get to the the closest Red Cross shelter. There was a, a transom sort of situation where it was under a railroad uh, that was run overhead and so the water was too high and we couldn't get from our side of town to to theirs and do anything for us either and uh, just you know evolved too quickly so the church on Masters Road opened up their doors, never having done anything like this, and they took command of the Manville Shelter. And I just, I, I'm so proud of this uh, congregation. I'm so proud of my town because they didn't, you know, they didn't just stay away because it wasn't their congregation. Everybody pitched in and. We housed, uh, won't sound like a lot, but we uh, housed, they housed 138 people and placed them in temporary housing before it was all over. They touched 5,000 pieces of clothing. They sorted them. They had them in, you know, baby sizes, toddler sizes, you know, all the way up. And then became a distribution center. So they received contributions when they finally shut down the clothing portion of that. Their their main contribution requests were, of course, non-perishable foods, um, toiletry items, um, paper products, and water. And... um, I just, you would have been amazed that these people had never done this before because the the organization and the order were just phenomenal. I think the church on Masters Road would be, um, as I as I had to kind of you know stutter around, that would have that that would be my uh, primary source for contributions. Uh, when Hurricane Harvey came in, um, where we are, we didn't get a great deal of wind. But we did get some rain, some cases 20 to 24 inches, but most of the heavy rain fell north of us. But because we are between there and the Gulf, all of the rain that fell north of us had to flow through here in order to get to the Gulf. 
Uh, this was a very different flood than what we had seen in the past. So the flooding affected everyone in, in some way, uh, even if their home was not affected. Um, their septic and, and uh, well was probably contaminated uh, when water actually got into the homes some a couple of inches and some a couple of feet. And so the aftermath is worse than the hurricane uh, trying to get cleaned up. But we've been very fortunate here in our community. Uh, the first weekend that people were able to access their homes after the mandatory evacuation was over and, and the water had receded, but a lot of people from our community and a lot of people from outside of our community come in and, and help um, the, the people whose homes were flooded, uh, help muck out the, the mud, uh, carry out all of the damage, everything they own in some cases, clothing, furniture, appliances, um, and then take out all the sheetrock and, and insulation and all of that piled on the side of the road. It's very sad. But we were very fortunate. And, um, we have another uh, group from a church in Missouri coming this weekend to work to help put those homes back together, the sheetrock and replace the sheetrock and insulation. Um, I think that this weekend um, and the subsequent weekend, there were about 10 homes that were completely mucked out and cleaned out by the volunteer. The biggest challenge moving forward is going to be uh, for those uh, homeowners who didn't have insurance or didn't have adequate insurance to obtain materials uh, to replace their homes. Um, and I think that's going to vary, but we can, can get these homes livable um, again where people can move back into their homes. Um, then we can, we can continue to move forward. But Yes, FEMA has been here. They were here very quickly, and they've uh, given hotel vouchers to people who have been displaced so that they would have a place to stay, you know, after they left the shelters. And they uh, have extended those vouchers until October the 10th. We were able to forewarn people. There, there were a lot of unknowns, though, uh, because the projection for the hurricane, you know, sometimes only goes out 48 hours with some... Uh, uh, I guess confidence, and so the fact that the storm lingered in the same area as something tropical rain for five days was what made the difference between this storm and many that we've had in the past. Uh, we're just a very um, a residential community, and um, neighbors look after the neighbors, and I think that's wonderful. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, uh, we were probably about, oh, 80 to 90 miles as the crow flies from where actually the storm, I made landfall, so we pretty much got the northeast side of the storm, which is typically usually the wettest and usually the windiest. But yes, sir, uh, that Monday and that Monday prior to that Saturday evening, spotty night, I guess it was spotty night and Saturday morning landfall, we started having some city meetings, uh, also some county conference calls. Um, and with the weather service. And so we kind of started kind of knowing that it was out there at the time. I think it was going more towards the Mexico area. And then throughout those two or three days, it started, that's when we started to drift that northerly drift. So that's when we started anticipating uh, more of a water event than anything because then the weather service was saying it's going to stall, but, you know, we don't know 
where it's going to stall. So we were more anticipating for more water than more of a hurricane, so so to speak, the wind event. Um, and so, yes, sir, prior to that, we started um, kind of thinking about worst-case scenario and started thinking about um, what we need to do as a city to prepare and to let our citizens know. Um, actually, no. Uh, well, um, we, we're too full. We actually have a levy that's around our city, and so the levy was what, what helps us from flooding um, uh, because we have a, the Brazos River is about oh, 15 miles away from us. So, but all of our little creeks and, and bayous flow into that, uh, that 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 area. So we have a levy that's around us, and as we were thinking that the flooding was coming. Um, we knew we would be okay to a certain degree, so we didn't actually do a mandatory evacuation, but the, but parts of our community, which is just right outside of our city, basically you hop on one side of the boundary line and you're in the city, the other part you're in the county, that part was actually under uh, mandatory evacuation. So pretty much uh, almost half of our county was mandatory, but our city was right on the border, and so we... Um, did not encourage a, uh, we did not have an evacuation, but we encourage people to go just in the event of power outages. You don't know how long you're gonna be without power. Um, you know, it'd be safe if you would just go ahead and, and, and roll out. So it would be more, anything was more voluntary. But no, we did not do mandatory. But like I said, the, the line is right to the west of our city. And it's like, you can stand on one leg, you're in the city, stand on the other leg, you're in the county. So we were, you know, that was under mandatory evacuation because of the water from the river and the creeks was coming up. So that's the people that we decided to, um, that you must get out because we have flooded in those areas before because of the river, because of the, the substantial amount of rainfall. We, you know, those people know you, you got to get out. Uh, yes, we actually have two nursing homes within our city and um, they do have a plan to evacuate to the College Station Waco area in the event it would get to that point. And so, yes, sir, we actually have, uh, we're always in constant communications with our two nursing home uh, leadership and, and asking them, you know, what is your plan? Um, do, you, do you need any assistance from the city or the county? And so, yes, sir, uh, we do actually have that, those conversations um, during hurricane season. I personally know one of the hospital, the uh, nursing home administrators. And so I'm in contact with her and um, she was always in contact with me throughout the uh, whole event because of her staff uh, lived in some of those affected areas and under some of those mandatory evacuated areas. And so she was in contact with me in the emergency operations center trying to get updates on whether it was water rising, water receding, what, what roadways were open, because she had staff in those areas. And so at some point she actually allowed her staff just to stay there at the nursing home. Uh, but she was also in contact. How long would it potentially be for she, if she needed to order more food um, to, because she had that additional staff staying 24-7? Well, like I said, our city was minimally impacted. Uh, we just have just some, some wind and some and the, and the flooding just around us. But FEMA, yes, um, I was in the EOC for the county and for the city, and um, we did have some FEMA partners there. Uh, we did see FEMA um, basically uh, their their vehicles show up, their motorhomes, their trailers that have all their offices, and um, those that uh, they were here. As a city, we had a few um, incidences that occurred that were asking for FEMA assistance. We had some sewer lines collapse. 
some um, uh, water lines collapsed. We had some uh, city equipment that was damaged because of the floodwaters. And so um, we've already uh, applied for our FEMA um, assistance. And uh, from what we even even hear is or a program that the state of Texas is doing is a uh, accelerated payment program. And uh, because of our level of severity wasn't as bad in our numbers, we've actually applied for roughly almost $200,000 worth of assistance. And if it's approved, we'll receive money, they are telling us, within a 10 to 15-day window. Uh, because the state of Texas is doing some sort of accelerated uh, program for reimbursement. As far as the cleanup is concerned, we just had a lot of uh, trees down, not so much the uh, the home damage where you're seeing all the sheetrock and furniture in people's front yards. And so for our community, um, we were blessed. But from, from the looks of it, just by me driving around and talking to some of my um, other city partner friends throughout the county, um, they do have um, the, that cleanup going. And there are contracts in place with their cleanup and debris removal uh, companies. And um, so it looks like it's moving along. It's just because there's so much, it's, there's a lot going on. You know, there's only so much, so many helpers for those contract companies because there's so much damage um, throughout the county. Um, I've grown up in this town, uh, so I'm fortunate enough that the citizens elected me as mayor, um, a matter of fact, this past May. So I'm, I'm newly elected. But uh, it's about developing those relationships with all those city, uh, your community partners, and uh, talking to them through this whole event planning and preparation. You have to sit and have either some sort of drill, a tabletop, make sure your contracts are in place with whatever, whether it's debris, debris removal, um, some sort of canteen wagon, so you can give you those long events. Talk to your power company people, be on board with those guys. Any generator companies within your city, which we had a couple, United, we have United Rentals here, not putting a plug in for them, but we're good friends with some of those management and leadership there. And just being prepared and think about worst case scenario and how are you going to prepare and protect your citizens. You have to do that and just be very vigilant. You know, we talked about this whole event being more of a flood event, so we started as a city. I directed city staff all the way from the rec center staff to the parks department to the public works Start clearing those ditches out. Start for you know removing those debris piles. We called the uh, our uh, debris, um, our garbage company basically, and said, "Hey, send me some trucks. We're gonna start picking up you know brush, and we're we're digging ditches out right now as we speak." And and they did. They they jumped up with us, and they started sending those crews out within our community. And we went rode around, identified ditches that we saw that were overgrown, or you know, because that helps your drainage. That's your whole drainage. And, and just prepare. You got to be prepared. And, and our citizens are very thankful because in the years past, we have a four or five inch rain. We were we were holding water in, in houses. We had over 28 inches of rain in a three day period, and we just had two houses that got water in it. So it was all about preparation. If I can't stress that enough, it's prepare and think of worst case scenarios and think of your problem spots uh, when it comes to your drainage and um, and then relationships. You got to talk to your community partners, keep in contact with them because you don't want no surprises during the storm. And so, uh, being in a small town, I mean, our population is just a little under twenty thousand, but still, know who all those players and, and those uh, your leadership are within all your businesses. You know, uh, know the Walmart manager. I mean, they left town, but they gave us the key to Walmart and said, you know, if you need something, go in there and write it down if you need it. So it's it's things like that that you have to do as a small community or even a large community. 
know who your players are that you can go to to, to get us to, to do a community-wide assistance. And that's all I can encourage uh, your, your town leadership or your, or your local government. Well, my background is, just to give you my background, you know, it's, it's, it's an elected official. I'm elected. I'm the mayor. It's all volunteer. There's no compensation. Um, but my background is I'm a firefighter and a paramedic. And so I've had over 20-plus years in that, in that arena. So knowing how emergencies operate and being in that field already, it helps being the mayor because you are the emergency manager coordinator for your community. Um, and now I do have a full-time emergency management coordinator that's based through the city. Um, but, um, you know, you work together and you think of all those possible scenarios and you think about all the things that you need, you need to, to do. So um, I, I'm blessed that my, my job as a, as a paramedic firefighter has helped me have, be a better um, a mayor in my eyes. You know, may not be through the citizens, but at least in my eyes, um, I feel that it, it, it well prepares me um, for that part of the aspect of being the mayor. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the interviews that we had an opportunity to bring to you today. We at Moment of Truth, we do not speak our opinion. We only speak the truth. And if you would like to help with the relief efforts with Hurricane Harvey, there are a lot of families still in need. As you heard from some of my interviews, there are families that did not have proper insurance, that they were not covered, so they are, they are experiencing tremendous losses. So if you would like to donate today, you can do so by visiting my website at qnibe.weebly.com. Queenbee.weebly.com. You can make a generous donation and we will see that it gets to the victims that are affected by Hurricane Harvey. All donations on our website are tax deductible, so you will receive a receipt for your generous offering. Well, I thank you for listening. Until next time. When we bring you more in-depth interviews of issues and events from all over the world that you would like to hear. But until then, thank you and God bless.